Please turn in your Bibles with me this morning to the book of Exodus as we continue this great journey of redemption with Jehovah, with Yahweh, and with His people. Today's message, the title is God's I Will versus Man's I Won't. And our text is Exodus 6. 9 through 30. And in this portion of scripture is a list of genealogies. And I'm going to do my best to pronounce all the names, but I'm going to ask if you will please keep the laughter at a minimum. <laughs> Just don't let it get out of hand as I try some of these uh, biblical names. I'm going to do my best. But we remember in the last message how that God said to Moses four times to encourage him, I am the Lord. And at the end, there were seven promises that God made to Moses and to the people of God. I will uh, bring you out of this land. I will bring you to the land of Canaan. I will give you an inheritance. All these seven wonderful I wills of God. And Moses, in our passage today, he delivers that great gospel to these discouraged people, but they were so full of anguish. They had so much their problems before their lives. They didn't hear it. They didn't receive it. And they said, well, that's great that, that God will, but their response was, but we won't. And so... We want to uh, ask the Lord, Lord, help me to never have that spirit. Help me to always see you and your promises as greater than my fears or my feelings or my circumstances or my difficulties. Y'all remember the Bible study Wednesday night, how the Asaph got to the heart of the matter of the problem in the history of the people of Israel, especially the people of this day. It says that they did not believe God, nor did they trust in His salvation. That was the heart of the problem, and it was the problem of their heart. But we want to pray, and I want to encourage you today to live out the song that we just sang. Not my will, but thy will be done, Lord. Help your will to be my will. Change my I want to I will. So let's read this together. Exodus chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. And Moses spake so unto the children of Israel, but they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Go in, speak unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, that he let the children of Israel go out of his land. And Moses spake before the Lord, saying, Behold, the children of Israel have not hearkened unto me. How then shall Pharaoh hearken to me, to hear me, who am of uncircumcised lips? And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, and gave them a charge unto the children of Israel, and unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. These be the heads of their fathers' houses, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, Hanak and Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. These be the families of Reuben. 
and the sons of Simeon, Jemuel, and Jamin, and Ohad, and Jochen, and Zohar, and Shaul, the son of a Canaanitish woman. These are the families of Simeon. And these are the names of the sons of Levi according to their generations, Gershon, and Kohath, and Merari. And the years of the life of Levi were a hundred thirty and seven years. The sons of Gershon, Libni, and Shimi, Shimei, according to their families. And the sons of Kohath, Amram, and Ishar, and Hebron, and Uziel. And the years of the life of Kohath were a hundred thirty and three years. And the sons of Merari, Mahali, and Mushi. These are the families of Levi according to their generation. And Amram took him Jochebed, his father's sister, to wife. And she bare him Aaron and Moses. And the years of the life of Amram were a hundred and thirty and seven years. And the sons of Ishar, Korah, and Napheg, and Zikri. And the sons of Uziel, Mishael, and Elzaphon, and Zithri. And Aaron took him Elisheba, daughter of Amminadab, sister of Nashon, to wife. And she bare him Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar, and the sons of Korah, Asir and Elkanah, Elkanah and Abiasaph. These are the families of the Korites. And Eleazar, Aaron's son, took him one of the daughters of Putiel to wife, and she bare him Phinehas. These are the heads of the fathers of the Levites according to their families. These are that Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring out the children of Israel from the land of Egypt according to their armies. These are they which spake to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring out the children of Israel from Egypt. These are that Moses and Aaron. And it came to pass on the day when the Lord spake unto Moses in the land of Egypt, that the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I am the Lord. Speak thou unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say unto thee. And Moses said before the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips, and how shall Pharaoh hearken unto me? Now, beloved, Moses, the man of God, is going to have some great moments throughout the book of Exodus. And hallelujah, so are the people of God. But I want to propose to you that this is not one of those moments. This is not, as they say, their finest hour. But we can relate. We all know times of of discouragement and despair when our faith is weak and and we look within and we find weakness and, and we look at our circumstances around our life or in our lives and we thank God, how is this your plan? Uh, uh, for me, and we we get uh, faint-hearted, and and uh, we have to really struggle uh, with with the Lord. But what we really need to do is listen to the promises of God and to the Word of God, and let that be our strength and our stay. I don't know about you. I believe I know about you, but I want to say about me. I'm glad. That God's I will is much stronger than my I won't. Can I get an amen? <laughs> because so many times in my life, if I just followed my will or what I wanted, I would have forfeited so many of the wonderful blessings of God. And that's what happened to this generation because they, 
believed not because they trusted not in God's salvation. They suffered a lot. But hallelujah, they were also forgiven a lot. And I'm glad that, that God doesn't give up on his people. And even though Moses is discouraged and Aaron is discouraged, and even though the people of God are discouraged here, guess who's not discouraged? It's God. God said, even though all these things are against you, even though uh, it, it looks so dark before the dawn, God's will uh, and God's providence persevered because He will do all His pleasure. Hallelujah. His counsel shall stand. We believe in a sovereign God. So that's one of the things that I want us to, to rejoice in is that God's I will is greater than our I won't. It, and that's the way the passage lays out. God says, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. And it's almost like it's like water off the proverbial duck's back. The children of Israel don't hear any of that. And they just say, well, maybe God will, but we won't. And Moses, the man of God, he's, he's so discouraged. Because he says, Lord, if your own people... The children of Israel, if they won't believe and they won't hear, how is this ungodly, hard-hearted Pharaoh that doesn't like me anyway, how's he going to listen to me, especially since, you know, I am not eloquent. I don't even speak well. Moses is no doubt thinking that all of it's falling apart because of his uh, inabilities as a leader or as a speaker, but that's not the case at all, is it? And so we fall into that trap sometimes as as well. But let's look at some things here for our encouragement and for our learning. Number one, we should rejoice that God will speak even if man won't listen. God will speak even if man won't listen. Let's go to the book of Ezekiel. And pick up on this thought and, and hammer this thought into our, in our hearts. And to pray, Lord, circumcise my ears, circumcise my heart. Uh, help me, Lord, uh, to always be ready to listen to your will, to listen to your word and, and to believe it. And like Brother Kevin said in his prayer, to do something about it. To be determined not just to be hearers of the word only, but doers. Here in the book of Ezekiel chapter 12, we find this in verse 28. Therefore say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, There shall none of my words be prolonged any more, but the word which I have spoken shall be done, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God said he was going to free his people, and God is still determined to free his people. And guess what? God is going to free his people, and he's going to bring them out from under the hand of this bondman, and he's going to get them all the way to the promised land. And he's going to do that through a journey of redemption in their lives uh, naturally, but in our lives spiritually as well. But the problem here is... They were overwhelmed by their circumstances. Their circumstances were dictating to them their hope. 
rather than their hope being in the sure promises and the reality of who God was and of what God said he would do. Now remember just a few chapters before when Moses and Aaron first came back from the wilderness, when they came back from um, uh, the land of Miriam, that they showed the signs to the elders and to the people. And what did it say the people did? They believed, right? They believed and they worshipped. But that was before hard times came uh, and attacked their hope and attacked their faith. That was before Pharaoh said, get your own straw, right? But now that things have become more difficult for them, we don't find them worshiping. We don't find them believing. We don't find them uh, preparing their hearts for what God was going to do in their lives. Instead, they were shrink, shrinking back. They looked at God uh, as, well, they looked at Moses as a deceiver, and they looked at God as a deserter. And they said, well, God, if, if you really are the Lord, if you're really going to deliver us, then, then why have our lives become harder and not easier? We had a great conversation in, in the truck last night on the way back from Tupelo. Uh, Sister Regina had went to meet this uh, elderly gentleman that she's going to start cleaning his house for him. And she was just kind of telling us about uh, his story. And... Um, it was just kind of really sad. He had, he had lost his wife, and she had been sick like the last 10 years of their marriage, and his uh, children were moving to another state, and he was, has just kind of been left uh, all alone and, and just, just a lot of difficulties in his life. And, you know, kind of the issue comes up, you know, well, why does God allow that to happen? You know, why, why is there... Uh, so much uh, suffering and uh, Drew brought up such a good point and we forget about this because we tend not to want to think about this but Drew said well our purpose in being here isn't really about our happiness it's about us serving God and glorifying God even in the midst of all kind of trials and sufferings and we never know how God is going to use that in our day or in the lives of others or even in the, the future. He just knows better than us, and, and we have to trust him uh, no matter what. And we were even talking about because uh, Regina said, she had made the comment, she had said that it had made, just talking to him and seeing like all that he was going through, she said, it made me never want to complain again. It made me want to be so thankful for everything that I have. Well, that's one of the purposes of God. So, listen that, that, and be thankful that God's word will not return unto him void, but it will accomplish that for which he has sent it forth. God will speak even if man won't listen. And sometimes we think about that like it's so hard when you're raising your children and you tell them something and you feel like you have to tell them something over and over and over. And that's God's just that way with us too. But eventually in God's time, in God's place, it's going to sink in. It's going to have the effect that he has determined 
for it too. That's why you read in our passage, God just kept telling Moses, just go, go tell Pharaoh again. Tell the people of God again what my will is, what I'm going to do, even in spite of all the overwhelming circumstances. So I just want you to look back here at the beginning of our text because Moses was really excited after that he had received these great I am's from the Lord, these great I wills for the Lord. And so his heart was encouraged. And so he goes and, and he says, well, this will, this will change things with the people of God. But notice verse 9, it says, And Moses spake so unto the children of Israel, but they hearkened not unto Moses. Why? Does it say that they hearkened not unto Moses because he wasn't eloquent? Did they hearken not unto Moses because he didn't, he didn't repeat what God had said to them, you know, with uh, passion and with, and with zeal? No, they didn't listen. Listen to what it says, for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. The, the Hebrew here actually is talking about a shortness of breath. You ever had the wind knocked out of you, right? And it feels like that you're about to die. Well, you're not, you're not really about to die when you get the wind out of you, knocked out of you. It, it feels that way, but that's what the children of Israel were feeling like, that they had just been sucker punched, that they had been gut punched, that their hopes had been gotten up. Have you ever been there? You had your hopes up for something? Y'all nod your heads? And then, boom! <laughs> Something happens and, and the way that what you had hoped and the way that you thought it was going to be, it all fell apart right in front of your eyes. Well, here these people had been 400 years in bondage. Moses and Aaron show up. Moses, who they thought was dead, shows up and he has these incredible, powerful signs from God. And, and it's the fourth generation. And, you know, there, there, there's all this excitement and then... Boom! Difficulty, challenge, um, disappointment hits. And it's almost it's like that they couldn't catch their breath enough uh, to, to listen that there's something greater past this, but you just need to be faithful and endure. Mm. But was it really about the shortness of breath, breath, or ultimately was it an unbelieving heart? See, relief in the ears never comes until the shed blood covers the heart. That's why man won't listen. Even when God is speaking, even people that sit under the sound of the gospel and they hear the good news, they hear the victory that is in Jesus, but they won't respond in faith they won't come forward and confess Christ. They won't follow Him in baptism because the shed blood haven't been applied to the heart. You can't hear with the ears until the heart first has been covered by the shed blood of the Lamb. But hallelujah, even when we won't listen, God continues to speak. Because if it was up to Moses... If it was up to the people of God, the book of Exodus would have ended right here halfway through chapter 6. It just would have been over. But it wasn't over with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God said, you keep going to Pharaoh. You keep going to the children of Israel. You keep putting my word in front of their hearts, in front of their minds, and in their ears. 
couple of quotes here. I've sent these out to some uh, friends of mine this week that I ran across as I was studying a part uh, uh, for the message on this uh, part. This quote says, In times of despair, which is what they had, they had anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. In times of despair, it is best to ignore our feelings and simply do what God tells us to do, leaving the consequences with Him. Isn't that beautiful? In times of despair, it's best to ignore our feelings and simply do what God tells us to do, leaving the consequences to Him. Now that's powerful if you're able to do that only by faith and strength that God would give His people. Here's another one. When trouble seems to rob your very breath. That's what we're talking about, being, having the wind knocked out of you. It says they were full of anguish of spirit. They were sh- shortness of breath. When trouble seems to rob your very breath, when tragedy hits hard and steals your day, recall that Christ endured the sting of death. He gives us hope and merits all our praise. So, Maybe it's not a just shouting from the mountaintop thought or message, but it's powerful for us in our lives, especially as we go through things and we face things, that even though the storms are howling, even though uh, the uh, floods are rising, let me open up my ears because God is still speaking. God is still speaking, even if man won't listen. And that's true in our day and in our culture. Secondly, God will command even though men won't believe. God will command even though men won't believe. God, hallelujah, can overcome our lack of faith. Hallelujah, God can overcome all our disabilities and all of our enemies. And by the way, Beloved, if you don't know this about yourself or about mankind or about all of us in general, we are very bad judges of what success and failure really are. Did y'all know that? We are really bad judges about what success and failure really looks at. Moses here considers himself a great failure, but he's not a failure. It's no failure on Moses' part that Pharaoh isn't listening. It's no failure in Moses' part that the people of Israel uh, aren't believing. The only uh, part that's failure on Moses' part is, is that, uh, you know, he, he looks at it that it's all happening the way it is because of some deficiency in him. But, beloved, that, that it's just not true. Go with me to the book of Romans chapter 9. I love these thoughts here that the Apostle Paul shares God will command even though men won't believe God will command even though men won't believe Romans chapter 9 I want to look at two verses here look at verse 6 not as though the word of God hath taken none effect For they are not all Israel which are of Israel. What is is Paul saying there? (laughs) 
Well, one of the things that he's teaching us is just because someone is raised in a Christian home, is brought to church all of their life, that doesn't mean that they're a child of God. It doesn't mean that they're a Christian. Just like what he's talking about here in the natural family of Abraham. All of these that are, are mentioned here in the book of Exodus and all these people that are in these genealogies, we have no reason to suspect that all of them are truly the true elect of God. Now, they are natural, naturally elected by God in, in regards to the nation and to the people of Israel, but we know that a Jew is, he is a Jew who is one, what? Inwardly. Not that has the circumcision of the flesh, but the circumcision of the heart. So, even though many people here in the time of Exodus chapter 6 are not believing the word of God, probably the majority of them are, what the Lord is teaching us and telling us is that some are. Some are. And we see that all throughout as the gospel spread throughout the book of Acts. Remember, time and time again, the gospel would be preached and some would turn away and, and some would not believe, but then some would cleave to them and say, oh, tell us more of this wonderful story. Beloved, and God keeps commanding even though men will not believe and God is able even because all of us at one point in our experience are unbelieving but God is able to overcome our unbelief through his command because he is able to impart and give to us a saving faith and that is why today that you believe and that is why you can hear the voice of the Lord and that's why you can obey his commands because his will is greater than man's I won't. Here in Romans 9, 2, after that he said, Did the word of God have none effect? No, of course not. God's word had the perfect right effect because we are a savor of life unto some and a savor of death unto others. And who is sufficient for these things? Oh, this word that, that Moses was preaching and saying and and him continuing going back to Pharaoh and demanding that he let the people of go. Yes, there were some that could not receive it. There were some that were short of breath and couldn't get past uh, their circumstances at that point. And then later on, they were able to. And God chooses the time. And God chooses the people. And God chooses the place according as He wills, hallelujah, for all of His glory. But I'm telling you, even at this time, there were some among them that this was a sweet song to their ears. And they believed with all their hearts. And they trusted God in spite of all the wrong that was going on. I guarantee it. There's always a remnant according to the election of grace that are believing, that are hearing that are trusting. Oh Lord, I want to be in that number. I want to be in that number. Those that hear God's command and obey. Even when all other men will not believe. Hallelujah. God can overcome all our disabilities. All our enemies. And he just continues to command. Despite all the opposition, despite all the unbelief, despite all that Satan throws up and, and tries to, to thwart us. I was talking with Sister Donna before about 
to some of the discouragements that pastors are are facing and going through through these times of COVID. Not that I'm trying to say, woe is me. We don't have it worse than anybody else. But, you know, not having people to preach to, not having your your members at, at church where you can preach to them, where you can see their faces, where you can talk to them. I'm sorry, beloved, virtual church just doesn't cut it for me. Text messages and, and phone calls doesn't cut it for me. I, I want us to be together. I want to feel that, that unity, that, that strength. And, and Sister Donna said, you, but you know, Brother Nathan, the devil will try to do everything he can to hinder uh, the people of God and, and the Word of God. And, and I do believe that that's what some of this is all about. But I believe that God is able to get us through and beyond and teach us things even in the midst of that. That's why I wanted to read uh, Brother Winfrey's letter. Because that, that's, a, that's a time. You know, you see your church building fell down. Every day you're preaching a funeral for somebody else in your church and uh, just the overwhelming of that. But did you hear him saying how God was using and, and moving and blessing even in the midst of all of that? Well, hallelujah. God will still command even when men won't believe. God's word marches on. And here he says, and I love this, and this, to me, strikes at the heart of Arminianism, too, and, and uh, you know, free will uh, salvation. I love this in verse 19 in, in Romans 9. Highlight this in the Bible. Thou wilt say then unto me, Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? I want to tell you, ultimately, no one ever has or ever will ultimately be able to resist the will of Almighty God. Amen. Not Satan himself. For though for thousands of years he has shaken his fist against the Almighty, though for thousands of years he has been at war with the remnant of God, even though this day he is as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The day and the hour is fast approaching when he will do it no more. But he'll look up at our king and he'll say, you're the Lord. And he will hear his word, even though he has never believed. And he will hear his command and he will obey it. And so will all. They'll either hear, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit this kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world, or they'll hear, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. God's commands are going to ring out even if men do not believe. Thirdly, thirdly, and I love this part. And I, and I love, and even though it's kind of tedious reading through those genealogies, I love it that the Holy Spirit inspired Moses to stick that in right, stick that in right there in the middle. Because they needed to be reminded of some things. And, and it's this, that God will preserve 
even though men won't cooperate. God will preserve His people and His, and His will and His Messiah, even though men and devils won't cooperate and will try to do everything to thwart what God is speaking and what God is commanding. God will preserve it in great power. And I love how the Holy Spirit inspires Moses uh, to put this genealogy right in the middle of this uh, section right here. And it's even kind of hard to get your mind around it about why it's done. But those of us that live and have been raised in the South, we should understand this. We should know this. Because if you go anywhere around here, if you go to get a job, if you go to get a loan, the first thing they're going to ask you is, who are your parents? Who are your grandparents? Oh, yeah, I know them. Or, or God bless you if they don't, <laughs> if, you're a, if you're an outsider. But, but God is reminding them the first thing that I want you to notice is that it's the four generations that are recorded. It's the four generations that are recorded. Why is God doing that? It's because in the fourth generation it was pr promised that deliverance would come. And God is reminding them, look, even through all of this that you went through, I have kept these people, I have kept these families, and from them have come my deliverer. And this is who you are. And this is what I've called you to do, and I've preserved you for this purpose. And I want you to know that that's true of every single person in this room. It's no accidents where you've come from, what you've been through. It was all according to determinate foreknowledge and counsel of God for His purpose. Four generations are listed to remind them of the promise. God is reminding them that He chooses the time. He chooses the place. He chooses the people. This is who you are. This is what you need to do because I am the Lord. And I have preserved all of these lives and all of these generations to come to this moment to accomplish what I have spoken, to accomplish what I have commanded. And if I'm able to preserve it all through this time, do you think that I'm going to let it fall, all fall apart now that we're at the moment? Look in Psalm 105. Psalm 105, just to encourage yourself about this as well. Maybe sometimes you think, well, why couldn't I have been born in this family? Or why couldn't I have been born at this time? You know, me, I always wanted to be a cowboy out west. <laughs> oh. Psalm 105. God, God is writing the, the story perfectly. In all of our lives. Listen to this. In this beautiful Psalm 105 and verse 8. He hath remembered his what? His covenant. That's his promise. That's what he, he signed up for. Even if everybody else for, forgets. Even if everybody won't listen and won't hear his commands. God says I haven't forgotten. I have, I have remembered my covenant forever. The word which he commanded to, to how long? Let that stir your heart up to a thousand generations. Oh, his truth will endure to all generations, beloved. Amen. God 
has preserved all of us in this room, even with the lack of cooperation of, of maybe wicked decisions and wicked parents or grandparents or wars or diseases. Yet you're here and I'm here. In this moment, in this day, in our time, for the glory of God, as the journey and the story of redemption continues until the day of Jesus Christ. And He has preserved us in spite of everything else that has gone wrong. If you, if you look through these genealogies, <laughs> I mean, you got some bad characters uh, through here that that uh, are mentioned, uh, you know, Reuben, uh, even, and bad character. Simeon and Levi, such wicked men that even Jacob, when he was old, he said, let me not come uh, into, in, into, their, uh, into their secret. These, he said, uh, you know, I don't trust my own sons, right? But it was, but it was then through Levi that, that God was going to raise up this priesthood that was going to serve the people all throughout these generations. And he preserved them through uh, so many, so many circumstances. But I especially want you to, to notice and highlight in verse, he, he, he's also here introducing characters that are going to play a role in the history of, of Egypt, I mean in the history of Israel later on in the story. A lot of these that are mentioned, it's a precursor to, and it's an introduction to them, and the writers of the New Testament do that often too in, in their writings. But I want you to highlight in verse 23, Aminadab. Aminadab. Do you see that? And Aaron took him, Elisheba, daughter of Aminadab. And I wonder if any of you could think, Brother Nathan, why? is that name so important because that is one of the men in the lineage of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ not only is God preserving the lineage of Moses and Aaron in the priesthood but it also is mentioned here not only am I doing that through this time and I also am preserving the line of the Messiah of the true deliverer of the true prophet of the one who will come and so he said this is who Aaron and Moses is and God is saying that this is who you are and who I've called you to be and this is what I want you to do I want you to continue speaking believing and living the word of God and resting on his providence and on his promises and knowing that deliverance is coming and my heart is to bless you in your day, God will preserve even though man won't cooperate. And then lastly, as we close this morning, hallelujah, we can all rejoice in this one, I think, is that God will use his servants even though man won't be perfect. God will use his servants even though man won't be perfect. Do you notice at the beginning Moses said, and his complaint again was, his complaint, and, you know, Moses had a little bit of a case. I feel for Moses. He said, God, you want me to go to Pharaoh, and I can't even get your own people to believe me. 
They, they, they're ready to kill me. They've said for you to judge me. Now, Lord, how can I go to Pharaoh when your own people won't believe me or believe you? And then you want me to go speak to this man, and I have these uncircumcised lips. I told you at the very beginning, I wouldn't be able to accomplish this. He would never hear me because I don't speak well. I'm not eloquent. It's kind of Moses' I told you so to God. Well, God, both times God just dismisses Moses' uh, complaint about that it's all because of him that it's all a failure. Remember when I told you that we are, we are sad judges of what successes and failures are? Man, it's especially true when it, become, when it comes to church and preaching. Let me tell you. If you don't have a, a big church and you're not full-time and you don't have a lot of a preaching appointments across the country, your ministry and, and your church is, is looked really as insignificant and not much of excess. And, and basically, you know, you just, you know, you can't, you can't do it good. But if that's the case, the prophet Jeremiah is a failure. The prophet Ezekiel is a failure. The apostle Paul is a failure as a minister. Uh, Jesus Christ himself is a failure as a minister if that's the case. But God is teaching Moses in his service. He says, look, I preserved you through all these generations. I preserved your families and connected these marriages. And even through your offspring, I'm going to use and do different things. This is who you are. You're imperfect men. You're, you're my imperfect <laughs> servants. Remember what we say that the servant is supposed to say even when he's done all his duty there is to do? We're just supposed to say, but Lord, I'm just an unprofitable servant. Right? Even though we are not perfect, beloved, we have a perfect message. And we have a perfect Christ. This was not Israel or Moses' finest hour. But how we should adore today the patience of God. The patience of God with them. The patience of God with us. And that God has preserved us until this very hour. And he's going to take all of us to have willing hearts, even though we are imperfect in our natures. And he is going to use us to be his servants in our generation Amen. for the glory of his holy name. Moses said again at the end, at the very end, he said, verse 30, at the end, he closes with it. And Moses said before the Lord, behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. He can't. He keeps thinking that all of it hinges on his ability to speak. But God has said, it's, it's I that am speaking. It is I that I am commanding. It is I that am preserving. It is I. I am the Lord. Hear it. Know it. It's not about how talented, how smart, how eloquent, how perfect that we can be. But it is about how much that we can believe and trust in the one that has called us, the one that is commanding us, the one that is preserving us, the one that is speaking to us. It is about that. I remember Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. 
in the year that King Uzziah died, he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. And those angelic beings crying, holy, holy, holy. And God said, we need somebody. We need somebody to go and, and to speak for us. And Isaiah said, uh, here am I and, and send me. But he, then he cries out, but Lord, lo, I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. But that did not thwart the Lord and His will and His command because He commanded one of the great angelic beings to go and take a coal off the altar and put it upon the mouth of Isaiah. See, God's able to take care of our frailties and our infirmities. I always love what Brother Zach said. God's able to hit a straight lick with a crooked stick. Well, this was not Moses or Israel's finest hour. I'm sure that we can all sympathize and empathize with them, that we can look back in our lives and see at times that, that we were that way as well. And so may we, we end uh, the message today saying, Lord, Lord, thank you that your I will is greater. And triumphs over my I won't. May the Lord bless you and keep you as I pray.